Hello, and welcome back again to Maturing the Bride. We are in book three. Book three is Cat and Dog Theology. And in this lesson, this lecture, number four, we're saying cat theology is not incorrect, just incomplete. It's not incorrect, but it is incomplete. Cat and Dog Theology, again, is in book form, written by Gerald Robinson and myself, and not available for free because InterVarsity owns the rights. They got that about 20 years ago. So please think about getting it and or getting the other one that we have for you. Now, what we are trying to say is that there are three areas. Here's number one. Cats have a feel-good theology. Number two, cats have a selective reading and listening. And number three, cats have selective application. Remember, what a cat is learning is not incorrect, but it is incomplete. Let's look at number one. Cats have a feel-good theology. Cats have a feel-good theology. I want to challenge you that cats only read Bible verses that make them feel good. They only read Bible verses that make them feel good. They use their Bible like a refrigerator. What do you do when you go to the refrigerator? Well, you open up that refrigerator and you say, oh, double stuffed mint Oreo cookies. Oh, yes, I love those. Oh, and fudge chocolate pieces. Yes, that's so good. And oh, milk, not that skim stuff. Whole vitamin D milk, that looks good. What's above? Oh, fresh fruit. Oh, I love fresh fruit. Apples and pears. There's a cantaloupe. There are peaches. There's apple cider. This is wonderful. What's in the door? Ew. Prunes. I hate prunes. What's above? Oh, yuck. More prunes. I don't want those prunes. What do we do? We take what we like and we leave the rest. We take out what we want and we leave the rest. Men and women, I want to challenge you. Cats select only passages that make them feel good. That make them feel good. As a result, cats read verses that are safe and pleasing to them. So what does a cat go to? Well, an example would be Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Oh, yes, God, I love that verse. I've memorized that verse. I've meditated on that verse. God, thank you so much. But take him to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 20 and 21. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. What? I've been called to suffer? I mean... I kind of look at that and it kind of gets blurry and, and even more blurry. And then it just kind of gives me a headache. And you know what? It reminds me of prunes. 
and I hate prunes. So as a cat, I'm just going to skip over that verse. Doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm going to go to a verse that I like. Oh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh, yes, God, yes. You have a plan for my life, God. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, but Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. A jealous God. That doesn't make any sense, says a cat. And I look at it and it just kind of gets blurred and it kind of gives me a headache again. And, and uh, you know what? It reminds me of prunes and I hate prunes. So I'm going to skip over that verse as well. I want to go to a verse that makes me feel good. Yes, Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Yes, Lord, yes. Thank you for giving me a firm place to stand. Thank you for being my rock. I love it. I've memorized it. I've meditated on it. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Uh, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Make disciples of all nations? I'd have to get a passport. I'd have to get a job overseas or raise support. I'd have to learn a new language. And that just kind of gets blurry, and I just kind of feel yucky. And it reminds me of prunes. So you know what? I'm going to skip over that verse. That verse didn't make me feel good. They'll gladly pray the prayer of Jabez. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. They're going to pray that prayer 30 days straight in a row. No problem. Yeah, I want God to bless me. I want him to enlarge my territory. God, thank you for that verse. But they're not going to pray Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Uh, I want to share in the sufferings of Christ? Not me. That's not why I signed up, says a cat. I signed up so you would bless me. And so they agree with what Peter said about some of Paul's writings. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Amen, says the cat. And what happens is that they look at these verses that they do not want to deal with. They hide behind their catness and say, I just don't get it. That verse must not apply to me. Not realizing. What they are subconsciously saying is this. That verse didn't make me feel good. Therefore, I'm not going to deal with it or obey it. That didn't make me feel good. I'm going to leave it in the refrigerator. It must not apply to me. 
And so they skip over huge passages, verses, because it's all about them. It's all about them. Men and women, cats, rarely read, much less memorize verses that don't make them feel good. Why? They've got a feel-good theology. They've got a feel-good theology. In our cartoon book, I have a cat ripping pages out of the Bible saying these words. Don't like this one. Nope, that one doesn't apply to me. Mm, that one doesn't rhyme. No need for that one. Oh, don't want to do this one. Nope, this was my ex's favorite. And they're ripping page out of page out of page of the Bible. Cats have a feel-good theology and use their Bible like a refrigerator. Well, number two, cats have selective reading and listening. Cats have selective reading and listening. What they're reading isn't wrong, just like those verses weren't wrong, but it's selective. Cats use their own version of shorthand in listening to the Bible. Now, maybe you've heard this next slide. It's a very familiar slide that I hear all the time, mainly in other parts of the world, but it goes like this. God loves you and wants to bless you. God is good all the time. I want to challenge you that I don't think Satan is so upset that we're listening to these words, that we're thinking of these words, because I want to challenge you, something is missing. It's not incorrect, but it is incomplete. What's incomplete sounds something like this. God loves you and wants to bless you. God is good all the time. Gee, what was that? Oh, that's what was missing. Really? Yeah. Well, what was missing? Well, let's try to fill in the blanks. Let's try to see what it could be saying. Here we go. Listen to these words. God, God displays his glory throughout all creation, from the galaxies to the garden, from light to a lion, from a child's laugh to the roll of thunder. A thrilling expression of his glory comes as he loves all the peoples of all nations and as he loves, loves you, you and wants, and wants to, bless to bless you. And he wants you to enjoy his glory by being awed with the stars and by smelling a rose, by basking in the warmth of the sun and learning the ways of a lion, by delighting in a child's laughter and by listening to the thunder. And by being a blessing to your neighbor and to the nations. His glory fills the earth as the waters fill the sea. His glory is in all things. God, God is, good is good to let us experience and share his glory all the time. All the time. Do you see what was missing? What was missing was the glory of God. Without it, it's just focused on us and how God is good to us all the time. It's not incorrect, it's just incomplete. Hey, would you drive over this bridge? Of course not. Why? There's nothing there that's wrong. There's nothing there that's incorrect. It's just incomplete. That's what we're trying to say. The scriptures that cats know is not incorrect, but it is incomplete, and that incomplete part is killing the church, killing the church. 
Want another example? Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16. You're going to hear my wife and you're going to hear my kids when they were little. Reading through and reacting to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God, so loved the world. Hey, that's us! That he gave his one and only Son. That whoever, whoever, hey, that's us again. Believes in him. Shall not perish. But have eternal life. Yeah, it's about us. So, what's another way that we could listen to John 3.16? Well, let's give it a fresh new set of ears, looking for the glory of God in John 3.16. For God, the God, the Alpha and Omega, the Lord God Almighty, the Great I Am, so loved, this God loves, unconditionally, even when you offend Him, this is amazing. The world. Why us? We're so sinful. From birth. We're impure. We're so self-centered. Our hearts are desperately sick. Is he sure about this? That he gave his only begotten son. He gave what? His only son? He takes our punishment? He takes it upon himself? He's a sacrifice? But he's innocent. He's incredible. That's unbelievable. That whoever. You mean anyone? anyone? People from any nation? A Muslim? A Hindu? A Buddhist? Any tribal person? Any man, woman, or child? This is remarkable. This gives so much hope. Believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He forgives all our sins? We don't have to suffer from all the wrong we've done in our free will? We'll be righteous, pure, and holy? He is so full of mercy. He's awesome. Did you see the differences? One was focused on us, a cat. One was focused on God's glory, the dog. Two totally different ways to read the exact same verse, but with two totally different meanings. Dogs focus on the glory of God, whereas cats focus on themselves. Where am I in this book? What's God got in this for me? Cats have a selective reading and a selective listening. Let's go to the next one. Cats have selective application. Selective application. Cats only apply scriptures that make them feel good. I was at a leadership training seminar, and at that leadership training seminar, there were about 15 of us uh, in a ministry called Frontiers. And as I was there, and we were all being trained in how to be better leaders, the leader got up and said these words. Did God have a plan for Abraham's life? Oh, of course, yes, yes, yes. Did God have a plan for Moses' life? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, did God have a plan for David's life? Oh, well, of course, yes. Finally, does God have a plan for your life? Obvious answer, 
yes, that's great. And I sat there listening and I thought, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. And I thought about Moses. I said, there were 10 generations that lived in slavery. One got free. And we're going to focus only on the one that got free? Huh. What about the other nine generations? Did God have a plan for their lives as well? And the answer is yes. What was God's plan for their lives? God wants you to live, eat, breathe, and die in slavery. What? God wants you to live, eat, breathe, die in slavery? That doesn't sound like a very good plan. Well, in light of the big picture of what God was doing, it was exactly what he wanted. Why? He had future lessons to be learned from it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 and 18. Justice must be given to migrants and orphans, and you must never accept a widow's garment in pledge of her debt. Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God rescued you. That is why I have given you this command. Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves to teach future generations a lesson. And a cat says, nope, not relating to them. I'm not going to relate to the nine generations that were in slavery. I'm only going to relate to the one generation that got free. I want to be like Moses and see the Red Sea part. We always want to apply the verses that give us the victory, that show us the power, that show us successful, that show us to be the main character. Hey, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you've heard a sermon that says something like this? God wants you to live, eat, breathe, and die in slavery to teach future generations a lesson. How many times have you heard a sermon like that? Well, I would say never myself. Never heard of it. How about this? Your siblings are going to sell you off as a slave so that God can use you in a foreign land. The story of Joseph. We all want to be second in command like Joseph, but none of us want to be sold off by our siblings as a slave to become a Joseph. God says, no. You want to be second in command? I'm going to have to sell you off as a slave and teach you lessons. Never heard that sermon before in my life. How about this one? God wants you to marry a person from another culture so you can bond with your in-law after your spouse dies. The story of Ruth and Esther. Nope, don't want that one. How about this one? You're to be a prophet to the church, jailed, and you won't see fruit for the majority of your years of ministry. The story of Jeremiah. That was basically Jeremiah's life. Nope, don't want to relate to Jeremiah either. How about this one? God might want our country to be invaded and devastated to get the gospel outside of it. The story of the dispersion. Oh, no, no, no. God would never do that to America. God blesses America, we say. You missed the whole point. How about this one? God might want you to be thrown into a blazing fire to show off his power. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, I don't want to be thrown into a blazing fire, says a cat. What about this one? God might want you to be stoned to death. Stephen, Paul, others. Nope. Nope, says a cat. How about this one? God might want to be forcefully taken from your home, be cheated, and then thrown into a lion's den. The story of Daniel. Ah, oh, 
thrown into a lion's den. I'm sorry, I don't want that one either. Well, how about this one? God might test you by having all your assets taken away, having your children killed, and inflicting you with severe pain. Story of Job. No, says the cat, I don't want that one either. Well, how about this one? God might want to be beaten with rods, stones, shipwrecked, naked, cold, and hungry, beaten with lashes 39 times, only to be jailed so you can write books. The story of Paul. No, says the cat. And why aren't we taught these lessons in our churches? I want to challenge you. Number one, they don't sell well. They don't sell well. People don't like them. And if it doesn't sell well, that means church attendance is going to be low. And if church attendance is going to be low, that means there's going to be low income. And if there's going to be low income, then we won't get to do as much. And we really won't have much job security. So, what does a cat pastor do? Only preach sermons that make people feel good. Only preach sermons that make people feel good. Because if you're starting from a theology that says Jesus died primarily for you, it's tough to contradict that. It's tough to contradict it and give you sermons about how God wants you to be stoned, shipwrecked, thrown into a blazing fire, thrown into a lion's den. Uh-uh-uh. Nope, that, that contradicts Jesus dying for me. It does not contradict living for the glory of God. It does contradict living for me in a Christian context. Nope, says a cat not relating to any of them. As a result, cats want to stay in a soft, safe, easy, happy, comfortable life, going to church, but never getting to a place where they feel uncomfortable because they have a feel-good theology. Men and women, three areas where our theology is incomplete. Number one, we have a feel-good theology. Number two, cats have selective reading and listening. Number three, cats have selective application. What they have learned is not incorrect. I had one man stand up at a seminar and said, I am so glad that you've taught this, that it's not incorrect, because I've been teaching Sunday school for 20 years. He said, I want to teach another 20 years and now make it complete. I'm glad to know that what I've taught was not incorrect, but now I want to make it complete. But if you keep it incomplete, it's a cancer that is slowly eating away at our churches. A cancer that's slowly eating away at our churches. Well, that ends our time together. In our next time together, we're going to go over three key dangers of cat theology. Three key dangers of cat theology. Welcome to maturing the bride.